0: Welcome to the 2019 Wealth Standard Podcast, Season 1, Capitalism, and now
1: your host, Patrick Donahoe. Hey
0: everybody. How you doing? Welcome to uh, the Wealth Standard Podcast. But I have a, a kindred spirit with me <laughs> in office. Is that what we are? Kindred yeah, spirit. I think we are, because we've actually been talking for the last, I think, two and a half hours yeah. <laughs> without That's recording anything. Right. <laughs> uh, but I'm here with uh, Andy Tanner, and we are going to be discussing... It's kind of a follow-up to Greg Lukianoff's uh, podcast a few weeks ago called The Coddling of the American Mind. And the subtitle is How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure. And what was interesting is you posted something on social media and put kind of, yeah, there's what is coddling, what isn't it? and then i happen to be interviewing the, the so it sometimes
1: you get a book recommendation from patrick cuz he's always reading fascinating stuff this one we actually both were reading independently yeah, yeah. and kindred minds kindred minds no, we'll,
0: we'll we'll see <laughs> after the podcast we'll
1: find out right
0: <laughs> uh, but thanks everyone for listening so let's kind of get into it i mean what so how
1: did you hear about the book the Rich Dad advisors we do a book every 6 months mm. and this one wasn't in it but Robert had come across said, here's another one. So we didn't study it formally. So I picked it up, and uh he has a lot of books. He's a insatiable student. Yeah. He reads as much as anyone I know. So he's always got a book to recommend. So I picked it up and started with the audio book while I was on the treadmill. I know it doesn't look like it, but I do engage the treadmill from time to time. <laughs> I just found it fascinating because on the roles we have in our life is – entrepreneurs investors coaches and parents and the one that hit me probably the hardest was the parents we'll probably talk about all of those but the idea you know when i thought about it sometimes when you read stuff and you feel a good vibe on it i always say okay am i feeling a good vibe because of confirmation bias in other words do i believe this stuff and this guy's singing my song that's right that's right you tell them. that's right. You know, am I reading it because it's articulating a belief I already have, well, or do I really like this because some books challenge? Those are the best ones—the ones that say, "Wow, I'm believing differently now than I did before." I think that's maybe true learning. So, and this one is probably the former because it resonated with a lot of what I believe politically already, and the, you know the way I operate. Okay. And I defend it because sometimes I get accused. Let's put it on a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, you have coddling, which would cause brittle bones with no resistance. But the other end, you have abuse, which is breaking bones. So as a basketball coach, I have parents that see me on both of those spectrums. Mm -hmm. Some of them say I'm too soft. Some of them say I'm too hard. Some of them like Goldilocks think I'm just right. That's very few.
0: All based on what you're actually doing after time. So perspectives, analyzing how you're coaching, how you're leading. Yeah. Some
1: describe it as more toward coddling. Others describe it as abuse. Correct. Interesting. Okay. And in the book is to do a spoiler, but it speaks a lot to academia, a lot. Yes. And the idea that in academia, we're really just dealing with words. And ideas most of the time. We don't have a lot of practical outside of academia in the real world is where you get hit in the face. And so the idea is how weak are children? Of course, you can't just lump them all together into one, but, but how do you do that? And as an investor, you want to be strong? Are entrepreneurs? Is it just easy for us? Is the world of competing and being an entrepreneur just a piece of cake where You don't need any resistance to prepare you. And that's the
0: variable is the degree of like, what is resistance? What is the environment of learning? Right? If you look at the, you know, it says good intentions. What's the intention? The intention, right? Is protection. Is to protect. Yes. Okay. Is that a good thing? I think it is, but it's in certain context. There has to be a certain situation which protection is good always. So that's where it comes down to. Where Where is that line? Where is is that line? What is that environment where it is trauma, right? Or it's disruptive or against the specific belief. right? And how do you govern that?
1: Well, let's talk about investing first. We know that if you invest, at least I don't know how it is in other things, but in the stock market and the options market, I don't know anyone that hasn't incurred losses. And I don't know anyone who hasn't dealt with nervousness, fear, uncertainty, setback. You're dealing with emotions of fear and greed and all those types of things, seeking reward, wanting to avoid risk. So I will tell you my opinion is in that arena, better have a pretty strong spirit, better have some guts, better have some stick-to-itiveness. And if losing money hurts, now is that abusive? Losing money isn't physical. No one has ever died because of bankruptcy. In this idea to protect the perfect little psyche, what resistance is required? Look at sports too. Perfect analogy. So you look at sports. Resistance training. You look at, if you coddled an athlete,
0: how long are they going to be an athlete? They're
1: not going to be an athlete at all.
0: And so that's the thing is, as far as growth is concerned, it's an interesting dynamic, right? Because trying to avoid pain, but yet pain is the way. Ryan Holiday, obstacle is the way. When there's resistance, it could be painful, but
1: also that's a catalyst to growth. Is that absolutely true? Yeah. So let's decide this. Let's talk about pain for a minute. Yeah. Is pain good or bad? That's the first thing. Pain good or bad. We tend to want to not have any of it. For sure. But yet we understand that it's no pain, no gain. Yeah. So how much pain is health? I think it has to do with damage. Yeah. Right. I think your analogy of an athlete is great is yeah. if I resist, if I do the pushups enough, I'm sore the next day. The DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness, it's painful. It's well, not, it rips your muscles. But it lets, rip. rips it out, but that's how the growth comes, yeah. right? So through pain comes the gain. It's very true. You yeah. put astronauts into space. Biggest problem is there's no resistance, and you can kill someone with no resistance. Yeah. It's as lethal as if you shot them with the gun. Yeah. So here you have the spectrum of abuse on one side, Coddling on the other. One causes brittle bones. Others will break even the strongest ones. Yeah.
0: What's the point of the book, right? So the book's called The Coddling of the American Mind. So it's not saying Good coddling is bad, like if you coddle your child, right? Or if you coddle a baby. It's saying The Coddling of the American Mind, mind. right? So what is he saying with that statement?
1: Well, I think what happened, the book deals a lot with that. Could name it. They're saying, look, can an idea be harmful and damaging right do we need to protect people from ideas so for example someone's on one side of an issue maybe there's a rape victim yeah. who's going to speak mm-hmm. and this rape victim might say i'm going to talk about being strong and saying look you need to move on with your life and you need to understand that that guy doesn't have the power to take away your worth take away your value it was an episode get the help that you need but don't let that guy take control of your life yeah then there's a big group of people say, look, if you give that message, that's insensitive to the other rape victims. Very real conversation yeah. to have yeah. and say, Hey, we're going to boycott this speech because by being on campus, that validates the rapist in some way. And so, and there were some really ludicrous examples on one extreme that he gave. But the problem is it's a slippery slope into abuse yeah. is you don't want to tolerate abuse. So when you say the American mind, can words harm someone? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but, you know, names will never hurt me. Is that yeah. how it is? Or yeah. words will never hurt me. Yeah. So name-calling or ideas that are opposing to yours, are they harmful? Obviously, his premise is, no, they're not. Let's go
0: to the growth of the American mind, whatever it's called in the title. Like, what's the growth he's referring to, right? So the American mind, it's growing Like, how does it grow? Is it the same principle of resistance that
1: applies to athletics, right? Well, he seems to think so. You know, what doesn't kill you makes you weaker, right? If it doesn't give you resistance, you become weaker. So when you get into society, to have to function in real life. I'll tell you, there's this thing called competition. And as entrepreneurs, we see this competition. It hits you. It is a fight. Yeah. And so if a person can't stay in the fight and fight for what they believe, you know, I'm just damaged. I'm just, and the other thing is that sinister is it can also be a ploy to kill the dialogue. Like if you embrace the idea that coddling is a good thing, that's a very good way to kill the dialogue of your opponent as a yeah, weapon. For sure. Say, well, let's not let him hear this because it's just too harmful. Them. Now information has been controlled. Yeah. That's how cults happen. Yeah. Right. Information control forms people's beliefs. Right. And if you control the information and only people only get one set of information yeah. and they're not allowed to address an opposing idea because it could kill them and damage them. When you look at information as something that's damaging, how do you ever find the truth if you don't have it? Greg is the CEO of FIRE, which is the foundation of individual rights and yeah. education. Not the party in the Bahamas FIRE. Let's no, make, <laughs> <let's> <laughs> I never made that, that connection. Let's I, should not, have, let's, I should have
0: let's, clarified that with Greg. That. Greg so you are
1: not the guy that's behind bo- Bohemian the
0: Paradise, that uh, supposedly <laughs> whisked emergency tents. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Totally
1: there is another two and a half hours that's conversation. Funny, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny.
0: It's right. obviously spelled FY, yeah, I think, re yeah. instead of so. Where he creates his advocacy is, is through uh, defending uh, free speech, right? The free speech idea, which is essentially the openness of being people being able to share ideas and information, right? Right. So that's where it's like some information, some ideas, it could be harmful. But at the same time, what's the difference between being harmful and resistance or something in contrast to a person's beliefs? And it comes down to, all right, I mean, everyone's going to have a certain belief system of a certain perspective, okay? And obviously having an exchange of ideas, right, is going to be able to essentially, it could potentially ruin a person's beliefs, right? It could have them question certain things. It could have them... Maybe question the school in this sense of the ideas that the school is sharing, right? It can create trauma. But at the same time, it's like, how is the protection of ideas being shared going to be traumatic? You can justify trauma on both sides.
1: If you look at free speech and we isolate that idea of just words, it's easy to find the abuse and start there and work backwards. Yelling fire in a crowded theater when it's a hoax, obviously not. If it's a credible threat on someone's life, a bomb threat. Well, that's just my freedom of speech. Well, no, that's a credible threat. Yeah. That's harmful. So then you start to back that off, and you say, "Well, can words cause pain?" And I think that it talks about in the book a lot about what's the Latin for truth, for verity veritas, or yeah. veritas. Yeah. That in the search for truth, though, ideas are going to have to be challenged. So now you move from yeah. threatening people or lying to the idea of honest dialogue that may be right or may be wrong. Yep. But there has to be that fight. And yeah. in a fight, there's going to be stress. There's going to, And he sees that as a healthy thing. For sure. And if someone says, well, I'm uncomfortable talking about this. This is causing me stress. Well, is it stress or is it damage? Is it permanent? That's where he says our intentions are good. Don't make people uncomfortable. There's so many issues that are. Race issues, religion issues, moral issues, political, yeah. all these issues that people are attached to, and yet if you isolate people in academia and decide which ideas are healthy and unhealthy, sticks and stones break my bones. Ideas should not harm me. It's interesting to look at. I I,
0: I interviewed Ed Griffin as part of this season, and Hmm. he's really big into the idea and the protection of the the individual and that the collective is is an abstract, right? That the collective doesn't think, right? The individual thinks. Right. So if you really look at the fostering of a mind of a young person, okay, I mean, obviously you we have our perspectives of the world, okay, and it's a certain way, and we have certain strengths, we have certain abilities, we have certain tendencies. Okay, but our our children, even though when they're young, we have a sense of stewardship over them, they're individuals, right? And they're gonna have a different way of looking at a lot of different things. Right. So oftentimes as parents, right, you want to protect them and you wanna make sure that they don't get harmed. But at the same time, how are they going to discover their individual personality, their perspective, their characteristics, their strengths, their talents? How are they going to discover that without Uh, the environment in which they're challenged?
1: You make a good point here is tribalism is primal. It takes seconds to happen. And certainly from a sociological standpoint, we live in tribes as human beings. We have our political tribe. We have our work tribe. We Mm -hmm. have our Religious tribe, a social tribe, yep. all these family yeah. tribe, yep. and what happens is, is tribes do have groupthink. Tribes do have. This is our libertarians, Democrats, Republicans. They all have a statement they make. Say this is what we believe. Any idea that opposes that is an attack on that group. And of course, the idea is to protect people. So yeah. this idea of coddling is another weapon yeah. to say, not up for discussion. Can't discuss it. 'cause it might hurt our group or it really kills the fight. Yeah. And that's how cults are a scary thing because if you look at a Mooney's cult or other cults, I better not name names or get in trouble because that's not a cult, but you look at maybe a Hubbard type of figure. Every one of them tries to control information. And they say, look, this is the information that's good for you and this is the information that's harmful to you. And you can see there's a trap in that is that a person will never escape into into what could be the truth? Maybe they have the truth. Hopefully they do, but no one has all of it. Yeah. At least we don't think so. If you forbid conversation or information, you've now created a mechanism that will trap people from truth. And I can't imagine that that's the way to protect truth. Huh. Yeah, I think most of the times it's the way to defend something that might not be or hide truth.
0: Well, you also have. When it comes to our evolution as people, as humanity, you're either growing or you're dying. Like you just don't sit stagnant in life. I think we're compelled to move forward, right? And I think that's, you know, no something that it's yeah. hard to argue. But then you like have to define, okay, what is growth? And I look at, you know, like as you said, I mean, it goes to Maslow, right? What is the Maslow's hierarchy of needs shows? You, know, you first seek food, shelter, clothing. Yep. Then you seek, uh, seek safety. Yeah. And the safety is found in tribes, in groups. Yes, it is. Right, and that's where. What's the next? The high, that's the highest. Love. The highest part. Self.
1: Self. Actualization. It, it is, and that's
0: where it's like. But you have. You can't achieve a self actualization unless you have
1: your the group. You, you have a yeah, sense of safety.
0: safety, right? And then there's the ego, the the self esteem side of side of things too. It's, it's interesting because we're kind of compelled, right, to seek safety. Yeah, but we're also compelled to love and also be empathetic, which is the, you know, self-actualization in a sense, right? So it's one of those, like, everybody's at different stages. And that's why when you look at a tribe, it's full of individuals at different stages. Sure. And in a sense, tribes both protect, but they can also inhibit, right? And when you look at academia, you look at the purpose of school and education, okay, it's not to memorize multiplication tables, right? What's it supposed to do? It's an environment Right, in which your mind grows, it's challenged. You have new information. It grows even more. It's challenged even more. It grows even more. And that's the thing is, I, I look at academia these days. It's just the subject matter. It's like you don't need half of it, right? I think academia, for
1: the most part, is teaching kids how to learn, but is it teaching them the right way to learn? Well, I can tell you, not just knowledge, but like toughness. And another great book is Jay Billis's Toughness. I mean, he talks about what toughness is and the difference between a rock and a rubber tire. In academia, what's interesting is the kids, or young students, I should say, eventually they're going to have to go out into into the real world, uh, eventually. Yeah. And if we coddle, can they survive the world? That's the big thing. Are they strong enough to deal with the realities of setback? Yeah. And one of the things in the book that's interesting is he talks about the Generation Zs and, and these guys that were brought up on their phones and social media, where the fear of being left out is traumatic, the I guess. The fear of being different. The fear of not being liked on the Facebook page. The fear of seeing all your friends someplace where you didn't get there. And and all this stuff causes all these anxieties yeah. that maybe you and I can't empathize with. Uh-huh. We didn't get it yeah. growing up. Yeah. So what's interesting is if we go back to... <laughs> the beeper. You didn't have a beeper? I didn't have I, I actually know, didn't have I one. couldn't My afford one. one. My friends had one. The I doctors know. had them. But. <laughs> Gotta a <page. laughs> Gotta head out. I got a, got an aneurysm. I got to go <laughs> fix. <laughs> Gotta <to> bail. <laughs> but. Okay, doctor. It's the life you're in. Go back to pre-Columbus. Native Americans. I mean, what was adversity for those kids? Starving. Not being able to get the buffalo. Getting beat up by the surviving, other tribe. Surviving I the mean, winter. Yeah. Their idea of stress and difficulty was probably much more physical. Than social emotional. We have almost no physical. I mean, going to have the bullies and stuff, but I'll tell you by and large it's more emotional toughness and emotional battles that these guys have to fight. Yeah. And I don't think it's shutting off the social media. I think it's learning to deal to face it, not hide. Yeah. Facing up, manning up, yeah. womaning up, adulting up, whatever you yeah. want to call it and not hiding from these little things that get magnified. And he talks a lot about that in the book too, is that by creating the safe place suggests that it's a horrible, Outside, like, yeah. like there was a story, maybe you can remind me of a, someone went in to get some counseling and they said, now this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And they said, whoa, whoa, look, yeah. I just want to talk to someone. Yeah. It's not like, oh no, you're going to have this. This is going to harm you. This is, you're going to have to work through this. This is going to get worse. You get, PTSD. says, no, I just want to talk to someone. I just feel like talking and I think I'll be okay. No, 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 you're not okay. You've been harmed, been crazy. But where does it come from? Is the intention so that they're safe and that they're protected and that I, they, they're protected from harm? I mean, what's where I might disagree with what he said is he says good intentions and bad ideas. I'm not so sure they're always good intentions because if you have an ideology you're against and you can create and paint it as toxic, that gets it out. So you can eliminate something from the public debate and the public dialogue by just labeling it as toxic. People will be trapped in the ideology that the person prefers. So he says good intentions and bad ideas. Is that always good intentions? Are we mm-hmm. always calling good intentions? Yeah. Or is this a way to keep things out of a public dialogue by labeling it toxic? Yeah. Right? All sorts of stuffs
0: going through my head right now. So instead of going up on, on tangents... Where do we learn from it? What are some of the things you take away and say, okay, what is the right thing? What is not
1: the right thing? Where do we draw the line? Because it's a very, I would say, gray area, and it's very situational. Well, I'll tell you this. I don't know. I mean, I'll have the answers to that, or I'd write another book. But <laughs> I'll tell you this. I think the part of the value of reading a book like that is the mindfulness of it, is when we're in a situation, like let's say I'm coaching basketball, is I can say, okay, on this side's calling, and this side's abuse. I might not have the answer, but if I think about it, I'll probably get closer to it. And if I don't, at least I can consider it, right? Are we coddling or are we being abusive? Yeah. If we don't even ask the question, we just go with, this is abusive, it's out every time. Yeah. Or this is coddling, it's out every time. At least the idea of having that spectrum to consider probably make you better father, maybe make you better coach. Yeah. Not a perfect one, but it will probably do a better job. And as an investor and entrepreneur, same thing. I don't want to be guilty of either one. That's what I put on my Facebook page. I don't want to be an abuser, but I don't want to be a coddler. Yeah. It is situational. And
0: is it possible to know exactly what to do in every single situation? Probably not. And that's why I would say dictating policy around how you deal with resistance is concerning, right? Yeah. Because you're allowing one person or a group of people that have interests, that have bias, right, to dictate. Take away your power. Take away your power, take away from your ability to know how to act for yourself in that specific situation. We're
1: probably biased in that you and I both feel the power of an individual is very, very strong. When I'm on my podcast addressing difficult issues, and I, you know, most as an educator, my solutions are to the individual. Often on my podcast, I have people who want a systemic solution. So they go to Congress, and they try to lobby for this law and that law. I go the opposite way. I said, look, there's nothing you can do about what Congress says. But you as an individual, you can make decisions to better your life and improve yourself. And so there's always going to be that. It's going to be an interesting experiment. I have a little basketball team that I coach. And I'll share this story. Half the people are going to think it's awesome. Half the people are going to think I'm an abuser. <laughs> but we were playing below our potential in a game. We were down by like four. We should have been beating this team by 40, right? I mean, it's just we weren't playing our best. So I called a timeout, and I lined the kids up, and I said, this is a one-minute timeout. We're going to run a sprint during the timeout, and we're going to get tired one way or the other. We're going to get tired playing hard or tired sprinting. And so they ran the sprint. And as soon as they went back, they got back out to play. I called my second timeout, and I had to do it twice. And the other team, cell phones are coming. I know this is going to be on YouTube, you know, this crazy coach doing this. And what was interesting is after the second time out, you know, that's a lot of running for two minutes, to run yeah. sprints for two minutes. And I didn't care about the game. I thought, we're going to lose this game because now I'm going to send them out tired. But you wanted to take advantage of the environment but, to teach a lesson. Right? But what I did is I looked them in the eye and I said, you know, I can write effort and tired down on a clipboard. And I could put it on a chalkboard. I could try to explain what it feels like to be tired. But i got to tell you what, how many of you look me in the eye and know what it means to give your all now and what it feels like to go to that place? Now you know what tired really feels like. And you weren't tired before when I called the timeout. You had energy left to burn. Now you burned it. Now you know what it feels like. That's what it should have felt like when I called it. (laughs) And it was interesting because I had uh, parents, mostly from the other team, but I had parents that were just booing me. And and after, I had two or three quietly come up and said, boy, if you're ever looking for a player. I love my son. They thought it was great. And actually, one of those parents, I'm now coaching his kid. Wow. So what's going to be the test is this. 30 years from now, are they going to say, my life is a mess because I had this abusive coach and he embarrassed me in front of me, blah, blah, Or are they going to say, I learned the best lesson when I was 13 years old. Running for two minutes is not physically harmful. People do it all the time. You get tired, you recover. No one's had a heart attack. No one was had a broken knee. But was that emotionally bolstering to that group? Or is that emotionally deteriorating to that group? But I think Time also, will tell. I
0: don't know. And it's true. Also, you have the relevance of the person that's actually controlling the environment at that time, right? And making those decisions and influencing yeah. those decisions, right? Where, and this, again, comes down, maybe it's intention, maybe it's leadership ability, right? But you could easily have seen a person who could have been jackass, right, and have the kids sprint and yell at them. The example I always think of is, I think it was like, is it Platoon or some war movie where Nick Nolte right, was just this like jackass leader that nobody wanted to follow, right? But then you also had true leadership there as well. Why do people follow certain people and not others? And it's interesting. I'm not sure if it's like, it's kind of like a feeling in a sense, right? Where the kids and knowing you, you know, the kids felt like, you knew what was in their best interest and you knew that... Maybe you, not. Can, Who knows, maybe not, yeah. but I would say... Yeah. You know, My opinion it was, yeah. and or that, I wouldn't have done it. But. And that's where I look at, it is very situational. At the same time, yeah. I look at, we're going to make mistakes, right? Perfection is an idea that nothing's perfect, it. right? Yeah, so what's, what's the perfect way in order for, to deal with the situation? And I think the perfect way is to accept imperfect, but allow people right, to actually figure it out, right? right. And that's where I look at free speech zones, maybe somebody comes on campus and gives wrong information, right? But how do they learn to evaluate wrong information? And then that's my point is like you have to have the experience where there yeah. is resistance and the ability for something false and something true to arise and for individuals to have that experience. And if you rob that experience, I do believe that it is that coddling. It does weaken an individual. Because when they go to deal, with, they're going to face resistance at some degree and, in the future. And, the other thing,
1: and how are they going to deal with that? And the other thing it does is it eliminates gray. Yeah. Because by saying it teaches people to have a worldview of harmful and safe, and we can categorize this, oh, that's not safe, it's out, oh, that is safe, it's in. And it eliminates gray and the ability to have a gray area. To say not everything is dichotomous, is that the yeah, word I'm looking yeah, for? I'm using words on a podcast, I don't understand, yeah, but it seemed to fit. That was a very but, yeah, advice. this is as far as it goes, okay? <laughs> I'm good with the four-letter words, but I don't want to harm anybody. You know, I don't want to harm anyone. Yeah. But, yeah, you don't want to have people seeing things in terms of he's right, he's wrong, or even he's good, he's bad, harmful, or safe. And by even suggesting, here's what's interesting. He talks about a safe room. This blew my mind. He talked about announcing to students that, hey, I might do something that could trigger you. If you don't want to be around for it, go to the safe room and hold this teddy bear. I mean, literally, a teddy bear is in the room. And by framing that to a young mind, by saying what could happen is dangerous enough to require a bomb shelter, right? A bomb shelter where we shelter you from these. I mean, you're now putting people in like it's a nuclear freaking warhead and by sending that message are we teaching people that words that sticks and stones are not only the things that break home bones words can devastate your soul your yep. spirit and i just think gosh darn it you know let's not ever have information controlled to where people it just doesn't seem intelligent to say here's information don't read it because if that's a policy you're not going to get to that veracity that truth nope.
0: and i think it's not a an absolute finish line, right? I think things are always being discovered, progress is always being made, and what is true today may not be true tomorrow.
1: And your debate skills go out the window because there won't be one,
0: and you won't be able to kind of rationalize. How do you articulate what's right yeah. and what's, And that's the thing is we have a so we have a saying that we use all the time, right? Because I've had experience in business and when where you had two conflicting ideas and there was so much resistance there, and people were just didn't want to be wrong and just kept resisting, like. And that's, I don't, those people are gone. I don't hire, I look for that now, right? Where individuals, I want them to pursue what's right, right? But not be adamant about what their opinion is being right and being willing to be wrong, right? Or slightly wrong. That's the thing. It's like, if you look at dialogue, if you look at progress, I think as an individual, we're limited, very limited. I think having conversations especially group conversations where you have very you know when you have similar values and similar outcomes multiple minds in there is a just a profound dynamic however right if you essentially prevent people from being harmed you're never going to have that conversation to begin with and the ideas don't it will not come to fruition
1: so we've talked about it in the position of kind of being the leader of your own investments of your own company of your own sports team or your own family Uh, As parents, I also thought a lot about this book in terms of whether I'm seeking out safety too often and whether I coddle myself by self imposing restrictions on what I read or what I'm willing to listen to. Yeah. I think no one gets out of cognitive dissonance. I just, it's just the way we're built and it's increasing too. Yeah. It's just the way we Mm -hmm. are built. Yeah. And so flipping that in my mind is the challenge is how open am I beliefs changed and not be coddled and how might I be challenged? And there's a couple of fun websites out there. One of them that I thought was fascinating is you, they'll take these really severe issues like gun control or abortion or stuff. And people will go there and say, please try to change my mind. I mean, I genuinely want to see if I can find the empathy for the other side to change my mind. It takes a lot of courage to do that for sure because we become so entrenched. The news cycle. Is interesting because Walter Cronkite used to summarize everything that was important about twenty five minutes and a couple commercials. Now it seems to me I don't see the difference between Fox and MSNBC. I don't see a difference because I feel like both of them are just telling their crowd what they feel is right. Just it's a it's validation the narrative. Yeah, it's just a validation of their own narrative night after night, and it really separates people in good and bad. The tribalism that you mentioned with this idea that it's usually one tribe and another tribe that are trying to limit this information and coddle their own group. What's interesting about that is these two groups, they're going to fight, they're going to fight, they're going to fight, they're going to fight, and they're never going to have the chance to get out of that rut. They've lost the talent and ability to consider something else. And what happens in tribalism is as soon as you put a label on a group All of their individual merits are erased. Yep. For example, if you don't like President Obama, you say, well, he's a Democrat. Okay. What type of father is he? He must be a bad one. What type of husband is he? We must be, I don't know. Maybe he had some interns in there with him. I don't know. You know, who knows what type of cigars he smokes. I think he quit smoking when he was in there. But what happens is, is when we get those divisions, we tend to erase all of the other merits that the individuals in that group might find. And as I look at my friends who are Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, I have friends in all three groups that if I was in trouble my car broke down the middle of the freeway at three in the morning, I feel I'd call them and every single one of those guys would respond in the most benevolent manner, willing to help, even though they're in those different groups. So Another part of this coddling of ideas is they're bad people, they're dangerous. You erase any merits they might have outside of that solitary issue. All of a sudden, the dean is unfit for office. All of a sudden, the dean of this college should resign yep. because of this issue. And it just erases any merits that a person... And that's what Craig and his organization
0: defend, one of the authors of this book, And that's the biggest thing right now, because if kids going into college, like think about the environment that they're in, right? They grew up in a household where there was ideas. They had high influence based on parents, right? Mm -hmm. community, the city they grew up in, the state that they grew up in. So they have a certain perspective of the world. Then they go into this environment in which it's different because you have kids that are all different. And in that Mm -hmm. environment, right, it's grounds to make a, a lot of change because your mind is pliable. You're highly influenced because it's new. But if you're given just one narrative, right, you're given one label, right, then now you go into the real world, it's going to be such a shock and beyond whatever a crutch is, right? It's one of those things where it's destroying individuals' ability to think for themselves or thinking in
1: groups. The evolution of the technology is interesting, though, because we live in an information age where ideas are just thrown at Mm -hmm. you all the time. So it makes sense that people that are feel that that's a war, because there is an information war, controlling eyeballs and controlling ideas now, that they would want to fight by saying, this is an incoming missile we can't have these missiles pointed at us. Yep. It's such an interesting time to be it is, alive. It's fun at the same time. Like, yeah, it's just so
0: much. I mean, it's information overload. So what we experience on a daily basis relative to 60, 70 years ago, it's unbelievable. And it continues to change. And i would say again going back to some of the main points it's like all human beings are flawed all groups have flaws but they all have strengths and really the environment in which people work, discussion can take place right where exchange can take place that's how you grow and that sounds utopia-ish, but at the same time one of those things where you know the freer a
1: person is the more growth that exists so if i want to run away from coddling, the further away I run from coddling, the closer I get to abuse. And if I want to run away from abuse, the further away I get from abuse I'm going to coddling. Yeah. So the invitation for me in reading this book was to begin to see both of those extremes yeah. and try to come back to a larger awareness in each individual person, situation and role that I play to try to find a healthy place in the middle. Where there's enough resistance to grow the yep. bones but not enough resistance to break them yeah
0: because so I think caught cod- this is such a great point because I think the coddling is what shows a sense of nurturing and it you know there's like a feeling it's every of bit is dangerous yeah but at the same time if you have that intention and idea but yet you allow for resistance right I'm talking more like a parent right now yeah but if you allow for that resistance and difficulty because you understand how growth occurs.
1: I think that's kind of like right there in the middle. It's a tough thing. I think For sure. this. you Usually, start out talking about investing. We always come back to our kids. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's a big challenge in this environment. Oh, it totally is. And yet, the competitiveness of it. I see parents that schedule out every bit of their kids' day. Yeah. You know, no Fortnite allowed, no play because you've got to get the piano done. You got to get this done. You got to be the student, because you got to be prepared to get in this college. And and they overtrain in order to try to make them strong enough to compete and they're scared their kids will fail. And Then the other end of the spectrum is, is these people that just coddle it. I've seen it in sports where parents are so afraid to have their kids lose a game. Yeah. It's insane to me, lose a game. There's sandbagging that goes on where teams with huge talent will go and play in leagues with almost no talent so they can get their trophy. And it's just incredible to me. I'm not sure if you want to talk about this, but I'm going to break it up anyway. <laughs> we were talking previously
0: about your boys, yeah. and you talked about your experience with uh, playing
1: basketball. I mean, you played at the U, University of Utah. I we sat on the bench at the U. I don't know how much we played. We
0: played a little bit. But you're bit. on the team. Yeah, we right. played you, a little bit. But you didn't play high school. And the I reason didn't. why is
1: because you
0: said you were cut every single year, and you were cut. It was interesting how they did the cuts, big cuts and kind of a, a smaller cut. cut, and then the one
1: last person cut. Yeah. And
0: you went through that four times, three, four times?
1: So I got cut 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, and once in college before yep. I made it. So Five that was obviously times. some
0: pretty extreme, I mean, that could have been, oh, it still hurts. it's described, it could be described today as traumatic, right? Yeah. So at the same time, what did
1: that create inside of you,
0: right? How did that, that start that, to that, form who right. you are and what you've pushed for? That's an, an
1: interesting I think I'm not the only person that might have tried out for play and didn't get the lead. And, and I think as investors, learning to understand that failure isn't fatal and failure's not the end of everything. Yeah. Did it hurt? Absolutely. Did it affect my self-esteem? Absolutely. But at the same time, those were gifts in a way. Yeah. Because you learn that you don't win every race and everything isn't roses all the time. And he talks about in this book that there's a resilience that is inside of people, evolutionary, I guess, or God-given, one or the other, to where there is a resilience built in where people can deal with the cancer diagnosis. and figure it out. Deal, figure it out. I mean, because you don't get, think about this, you can control whether someone comes on a campus to speech, but you don't control when you hear the news that you got cancer or when you're being sued by a competitor and it's unfair. And if you can't handle a simple idea of being brought on campus, what's going to happen when you're in a lawsuit or when you get cancer or when your child gets cancer? I mean, you can't coddle your kid against cystic fibrosis, right? You can't coddle them. There's certain things in life that can't be coddled. So what makes us think that an idea can hurt these kids when there's so many more things? There's so much more emotionally severe. It will happen. Infertility. It will happen loss of a child, loss of failures in business. Failures in relationships. So you think these coddlers, how devastating was it to try out every single year and get cut? Well, it was devastating, but not something I couldn't rebuild on top of the rubble. Well, what about a failure in a business? What about a failure in investment? And then you get into bigger stuff. What about health failures? What, What happens when you lose a child? So there is definitely a resilience that can be strengthened or weakened inside of us. And again, it's just finding that point where you bend but not break, where pain is a good thing, not a harmful thing. Too much lifting can be degenerative and cause your bones to hurt. But not enough can be degenerative and cause your bones to hurt. Where do you find it? I don't know, (laughs) but it's food for thought. For every investor and parent, where are you? Do you want to be coddled? None of us want to be, I think. I don't know.
0: I think this probably resonates with most people that that listen beyond one episode of this podcast. For those who are listening first time, sorry, but whatever. (laughs) It's one of those things where, you know, these principles apply to so many different aspects of life. We obviously talked about kids. We talked about sports, business, politics. It applies to everything.
1: Resilience. And this is a worthy. We should never apologize for this podcast because resistance is going to happen in business and resilience is a prerequisite. I mean, The strong survive in a world that competes and we just, you can't eliminate the competition because it's just the way life goes.
0: Let's end with this because our season, these first four months of the year, we're talking about capitalism. Yeah. So the reason why I wanted to get this on is because obviously it's a different situation, but I think it's a very similar principle, right? Cause the notion of capitalism, right, is one of those things where you have commerce, you have the exchange of ideas and capital. And you're going to have success and you're going to have failure, mm-hmm. right? But free market capitalism doesn't really exist, right? Because you have uh, political influences, you have monetary yeah. policy influences. Yeah, you're right. And that's the thing is really if you look at where we're at as a state of the economy, right? We've had artificial coddling, right, of certain That's a great way
1: to say it.
0: Yeah, artificial coddling of institutions of certain businesses right of money money currency money in general right yeah. of where people put money to invest and hope for some sort of future right so people have been coddled when it comes to commerce due to the coddling of the actual institutions that are serving them mm-hmm. and so I look at just how applicable these ideas are in that instance, and this comes down to maybe where we end, which is if you continue to coddle. You have very weak bones. And so when resistance happens, you have
1: breakage. What's interesting is there's both ends of the spectrum in capitalism. There's abuse because if he who has the gold makes the rules. and you have tyranny. (laughs) There's a great way to think about it is when you think about capitalism, if you want to take the other side of the argument, talk about the evils of it, if we dare do that, what's Superman's greatest superpower? He's got X-ray vision. He's strong. What's his greatest superpower? You can detect a person telling the truth. I'll tell you what I think it is. I think it's his heart. Because if you change Superman's heart, he becomes the world's greatest villain. He's still the world's greatest superhero. Yeah, that's a good point. So if you have capitalism and you have evil, people begin to grow. You have greed. You have those things. You, yeah. have, you have no benevolence. Exploitation. Oh, my gosh. It can't. So there is a range. If you coddle, well, it's just as bad. Is, yeah. It's the same thing. It's just as bad. So it's those a, two yeah, extremes. That's why it's
0: like, I think it's just, they're very similar, if not identical pr- principles. It
1: allowed, ca- the thing that's beautiful about capitalism is allows for tremendous potential for someone to be the greatest they can be. And then you look at a Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, you look at the amount of money, you know, half their wealth are given away, minimum half. They both made that pact and well, Bill I think, Gates, I think
0: it's like 99%. Well, they it? have
1: that club they started where a billionaire can join and say, we're going to give half our money away minimum. Oh, That's God, club. God, yeah, yeah. They will give far more than yeah, that, yeah, yeah. far, far more than that. And certainly guys like Steve Jobs, when I look at what my kids learned in that iPad, they've contributed in their products as well. Okay. So that I think there is ambivalence. But on the other side, the Bernie Madoffs of the world, yeah. They deserve to be prisoned as they've broken the rules. For sure.
0: And that's where you, I mean, you have rules yeah. that protect people's rights. And that's where you look at the environment, though, and you're not going to ever have perfection. You're always going to have somebody. You're always going to have a pretty man. You. You're always going to have Here's what's jobs.
1: tough. Here's probably a truth that we fight against. And it depends on what your definition of, because it's just an idea that's man-made, but the idea of fairness. Yeah. Okay. So if you go into the Serengeti and you watch any other species, do they have fairness, <laughs> right? Do the chimpanzees have fairness? Well, the one mother who got their daughter eaten by the lion when they weren't looking—well, that's not fair, right? Well, it's fair game. The death of your chimp is fair game out there. We're not willing to accept that as human beings because we're smarter, you know. Blah. We're not animals, but yet we are animals. It is an interesting idea that the pursuit of fairness is a great pursuit, but defining what it is—and it's tough. I don't think you can. Every human being wants to be treated fairly. But perhaps it comes down to the same. It's situational. So do you teach your child life is fair and you should expect it? Because even though we all want it, and even though we want to pursue it, it's so difficult because life isn't fair in how we're born. Some people are born with higher IQs, some with low IQs. Some of us have to work harder for what we get than the smart kid, right? Other people are limited physically. You know, the the way you're born genetically, the genetic lottery isn't equal. Mm-hmm. And unless you want to get into eugenics someday, uh, which we probably don't want to do, mm-hmm. how do you make it all fair? Just by the nature of birth. And so you're going to have it: abuse and coddling and unfairness in between.
0: Well, it's tough. It is, and that's where it's...
1: Good you thing know, we have you to, to put no, on this podcast and well, solve all these. We have
0: you to, to you know, incite <laughs> the discussion. Now I look at you know you have the environment and it's humanity has amazing things about it. It also has a lot of frailties and weaknesses, and that's where it's like fair environment right is where people's rights are protected yeah. right, but people are able to act and learn oh. and grow. Again, it's really hard to define because there's lots of different circumstances and situations. Equal
1: opportunity is very, very important to fairness. And yet, we have an inequality in the ability to capitalize. You can throw out an equal opportunity, but individuals might not be able to equally capitalize. Exactly. Because of what they're starting with. And so, how do you subsidize? And that's where... That's where we start to coddle, maybe. I don't know.
0: But I would say the things that you can do, though, is essentially have certain environments in which ideas can be expressed. I think that was the point of the book, right? That the ideas biggest thing is and, you can't suppress ideas in the name of protection. Exactly. And that's where I think people really start to understand themselves, understand growth and what their strengths are and abilities are. That it has to go through kind of like a refining process. It's
1: a great question and invitation for discussion is what is harmful and what is the power of resilience? Are we not resilient enough to withstand an idea and a speaker on campus that disagrees with us? Are we not strong enough and resilient that that is abusive and yep. breaks our bones? And I think he just says, Hey, let's put the pause button on here and understand that we might be taking this too far. And in his opinion, obviously we have. Yep. And I think for that reason, it's a very healthy discussion because I didn't realize how pervasive it, it was. I didn't either. I mean, the citing after the things was citing. And the sheer volume of cases and, and people just losing they, their jobs. I know. Over two words in an email that just oh, yeah. got blown up. Being kicked out of school. And the fear of your colleagues and being tenured. And I, I mean, it's just, it was incredible. It's ridiculous. I had no idea what was going on in academia. I didn't realize there were safe rooms and trigger words and that, that my son and his school might be saying, now, this might cause you mental harm. If you want to go to the safe room, go ahead. That's unsettling, that level of coddling. Probably liked it because I agreed with it. Yeah. I confess.
0: And there was, yeah, you look at, I mean, I have disagreement with academia in, in general and a lot of different sure. aspects of it. But yeah, but I look at, you know, this is the next generation of those who are going to be in the world, be producing things, be you know, solving problems, starting businesses, solving problems. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, in order to solve a problem, you have yeah. to be able to face some adversity, right? And on any issue, if the environment in which they're transitioning from home life, where there was, I think, highest protected kids of in generations, right? To really the environment, which is the in between, right? Before they get into the real world. And if that is where how the programming is taking place, it's like they're not going to be fit for most businesses, right? They're not going to be fits for most jobs because if they cling to this notion of tribalism, right, and it's like this is the idea and everybody has to believe it a certain way and they're afraid of being wrong and they're afraid of getting hurt, yeah. with that trauma, it's like it's not uh, a person that solves problems.
1: That's not certainly not resilient. No, it's not. Okay. Awesome discussion. Hey, Thanks for having me. Four, it's always good to have
0: three-and-a-half-hour uh, discussion. I've Only an hour of it was.
1: I've learned to plan for it when we get together. I know. You <me> too. <laughs> it's because we don't get together often enough.
0: I know. No kidding. Too we much to, to catch up on. To, Hey, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.